0: Hello and welcome to the JCN Clinic Podcast Show. I'm Jessica and I'm Carissa. We are bringing a and a session to you today, answering some of your questions that you have left for us on socials. And they're a good little selection of meaty slash kind of, I feel like a little bit introspective. There's going to be um, some goodies to dive into. So, we might literally just do that today. We're going to just get in and start answering some questions <laughs> instead of spending probably 10 to 15 minutes of chit-chat. So I will say just very quickly, if I sound a little bit raspy, it's just I'm getting over something. So just enjoy my maybe a little bit more. Um, Man voice. Yeah, like kind of lower octane.
1: Deep sexy
0: yeah. voice. <laughs> like radio voice. Just as...
1: Jess's sex
0: voice. Let's call it what it is. Let's
1: call it what
0: it is. Jess's sex voice. So one of our questions was, does all calcium inhibit all iron absorption, i.e. calcium-rich broccoli inhibit iron-rich steak? Um. Okay. Right. I actually hadn't read that out loud. I just had glanced over it and now I'm like, right. And this, <laughs> this, um, follow up, this was one that Carissa had come through in her socials also sent through some additional questions in relation yeah. to that. But should we, what do you want to do Rissy? Do you want to dive into that first and then go into some of her other questions here?
1: Well, yeah, I think if we dive into this, I think we'll actually probably answer mm. the rest of the questions anyway. Because I think what the bigger question is, and we do get asked this a lot from Mm. clients and it is a really, really good question because I think it definitely is one where we can really separate, um, you know, don't sweat the small stuff from Mm. where you actually need to consider, you know, competitive and inhibition, inhibition uptakes with nutrients, if that's even a fucking phrase, but anyway, with nutrients when we're eating versus supplementation, I think that's where a lot of it gets a little bit skewed sometimes as well. So If we're talking about just a meal, for example, like does if you're eating something that's calcium rich, does Mm -hmm. it knock out something that's iron rich? Because obviously it's quite well known in our space that, you know, calcium can inhibit iron absorption, just the same as zinc and iron. You don't take them together because zinc can knock out iron absorption as well or vice versa. But So I think it is a really good question because it's a good way for us to explain to you guys how to... I think segregate um, what actually happens on a plate versus what actually happens with a therapeutic, you know, supplement dose of something. What I like to say to my clients is when you're actually just eating your meals, yes, it is really good to be aware of mm-hmm. some of these interactions, these, you know, competitions and some of these, you know, inhibitions for sure. But I think when it comes down to You know, the finicky things of if I eat some broccoli, is it going to inhibit my iron absorption if you're someone who's anemic and worried about iron absorption? I think this is where sometimes, you know, taking more of a telescope out point of view is a better approach. Mm -hmm. I don't think at the plate level we really should be Mm -hmm. too stressed or concerned about what would happen naturally in a, in the environment in terms of competitive uptake of, you know, minerals and nutrients, because mm. if we start pulling that apart on the plate in the plate space, which I'm just going to say, like just day-to-day eating the plate space, it's a, it's a fucking head wreck.
0: Yeah. Um, totally. Because
1: I, because I think, you know, No matter what you put on your plate, you're going to find something that competes with something else for uptake Mm -hmm. and some nutrient that's going to knock another nutrient out of the park or some, you know, some sort of, you know, plant chemical that's going to inhibit something else. Like a really good example too, was I got sent something from another client of mine a couple of months ago and I did go and look into the science of it. And from what I could see, it actually was a correct, um, it was a TikTok video. don't have a TikTok account, so don't send me TikTok videos, but I can access them. (laughs) But it was that it was a thing going around about um, oh fuck I'll have to remember this now. But basically, if you combine berries and banana in a smoothie, that there's an actual um, something in the banana. God, I can't even remember this now because I've just thought of it since we started talking about it. There's something in the banana that inhibits the polyphenol content of the of the berries. Mm-hmm. So basically, combining berries and banana in a smoothie is just a bad idea. So oh they went on gosh. this big rampage of yeah right demonizing this so i was like so when i got sent this tiktok video from my client i was like fuck really so i went in and i had a look at the science and i did go in and have a look at i can't remember it's some sort of anti-polyphenol compound or something that bananas can contain and they did do a bit of a a research question about it where they gave people um they didn't actually use the polyphenols in the berry they used a polyphenol from cacao and they tested in a clinical setting so i looked into the actual article i did read And from what I could see, I had a few questions around the methodology but from what I could see it was pretty valid.
0: Was it food based study though or was it more? It was a
1: food it was it like, was a food based study yeah. yeah from from memory. I did go into it and have a good look because I thought shit before I answer this because first I was going to be like oh my god please just don't worry about this and I thought mm. okay and when I actually googled it it was trending big time on the internet yeah. so I just yeah. I just missed it so I was like okay, okay let's pull this original bit of you know research. It wasn't a massive study um, and it was literally I think they gave one person a um, one person just the polyphenol compound. The next person the polyphenol compound with bananas in the smoothie. The next person the polyphenol compound with the berries banana in the smoothie. So it did show that it did completely curve down this, you know, mm. um, polyphenol. Anyway, with the adding sorry, adding the banana did it, and they did one without the banana. Sorry, anyway. Yeah, You guys get the point. So in terms of looking at that, like, yes, there definitely looks like, like there was some validity to it. But what I want to say about this kind of stuff is that it's good to know this, mm. but if this is what we're fixating on when we're eating a whole food diet, we're completely missing the point of eating a whole mm. food balanced, nutrient-dense diet because this is going to happen in every fucking yep. meal you can yeah, shoot. Like, do you know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's – I think it's a beautiful question because I think yeah. a lot of people – A lot of people ask this, but I really just want everyone to go take the stress out of what you're putting on your plate every day and just know that if you're eating, you know, a beautiful variety of dark leafy greens and some calcium and that, I mean, some calcium and some broccoli and all of that, that also contains, you know, non-heme iron. So, Mm. you know, you've got competitive, you know, competitiveness happening right there in one vegetable, you know what I mean? So yeah. Or one group of vegetables like the brassicas. So, yes, they have calcium, but they also have non heme iron as well. So, Mm. there's going to be this in nature regardless. And I think if you're someone who's concerned about, like, let's just use iron absorption on the plate to plate, daily plate to plate, I think um, you can look at ways to enhance iron absorption for sure, but don't be worried about healthy foods completely knocking it out of the park. I think it's also really good to understand terminology. Inhibit, when we're talking about um, mineral-like um, competitiveness, inhibit doesn't mean complete, um, absolute yes. knockout. Yep. Inhibition means there's some, to, to, to some degree, depending, this is why I want to talk about supplements versus plate plate-based eating, there's you know some degree of competitiveness and some degree of inhibition but it's not a complete fucking knockout of the park if you have something with calcium a calcium rich food it's not going to completely shut down all the iron absorption in the small intestine mm. so I think that's really worth mentioning
0: I do um, for sure yeah I think it's yeah, a it's, di- it can almost be a bit of a misleading word in its own right like correct. inhibition like people, people think I'm not getting anything um Mm. i love what you said too you know i think a really simplistic way as you said is to compare maybe this as a supplement issue or a supplement question that you want to ask yourself over food like Mm. food at the end of the day every piece of whole food you pick up is an abundance of different minerals and vitamins and carbohydrates and amino acids in its own right so just even naturally within one food you can find that it's got a certain amount of iron a certain amount of calcium like you know within reason of certain foods but you know what I mean like even just foods themselves have a variety of nutrition they give you and then when you put them into a meal like this is nature this is literally just nature and we've survived and thrived like this for eons you know like we're we're Mm. Again, like it I reminded me as you are speaking too about our podcast we did a few episodes ago on fear-mongering, <laughs> to be honest, mm. like in regard to like creating stress around this, you've got that person who's making their smoothie for breakfast and now they're like, oh my God, I'm doing the wrong thing, having a banana Which and a berries literally- together.
1: Which was literally my other client and she yeah. is such a beautiful diet. She's come so far with her gut. She's feeding her kids and her husband. She's the main like food maker in the household. She goes to so much effort yeah. with her food. And I think things like this just make people like I know for her, for example, I know that this would have caused her so much stress. The fact yeah. that she's been making her, her kids, you know, banana and you know mixed berry smoothies because you know we've been i do that still but Mm. i think yeah, like i think these things are good to know but it's like don't sweat the small stuff focus on the big picture like if you're eating a whole food diet don't worry about some of these small things because they're gonna happen in everything you do to some degree but like you're saying jess exactly right we've been eating this way for eons and if it's a whole food fiber rich nutrient dense diet it'll all work itself out in the wash
0: and think about if you were trying to get around this, how absolutely Ugh. insane it would be, like eating every single food separately and then you'd be like, okay, so I just had this and I need to allow two to three hours for this to pass through my small intestinal tract, so then I'll eat that. Like it would just be <laughs> it's actually it's insane. Yet. Like it's so yeah. insane. It's um, yeah, yet. I just love it what you said too. It's it supplements, always think about the supplements as far as inhibition that makes absolute sense um, and then also if there's something in your diet you're trying to get more of think about how you can add more um, and in, and increase its uptake rather than thinking about the things that you need to take away yeah it's just I think the only other one that I think of in that space um, that I see clients doing a lot is but then again I would look at this for supplement intake again and I'd also mm-hmm. look at it if someone was deficient in a certain food, uh, sorry, deficient in a certain mineral or vitamin, usually being a mineral, uh, would be tea or coffee. So yes, it's a big habit with mention. a lot of clients, older clients. It's not just breakfast. It's often like lunch and dinner. So they'll have their lunch and then they'll have their cup of tea with their lunch and it's like t tea, t t all day. And then you also know that they've got low iron. So that's something that we would specifically change or ask them to like put some space between from a dietary point of view I guess that's probably the main one I yeah. look out for
1: yeah exactly I thought um just for our listeners as well I actually wrote down a little hit list of our minerals our minerals are the main ones that we're talking when we went also to when we're talking about you know competition mm-hmm. and inhibition so I thought if anyone wants to just write some notes, get a pen now and hit pause because I thought I'm just, I know Jess and I have covered this in so many ways in different podcasts, but I'm just gonna give you guys a hit list Love of it. what we what we tell our clients. So just if you are supplementing at home um, and you're not working with us, but if you're supplementing at home, what to be careful of with your minerals. So iron, while we're talking about iron, iron is best taken, I believe, at night purely because If you're a coffee or a tea drinker, that is usually happening in the morning. And as Jess just mentioned, coffee and tea will inhibit the absorption of iron. Vitamin C will increase the uptake of iron. So you can have a glass of orange juice or take a low-dose vitamin C tablet with your iron. Um, I believe it is best taken with food uh, because I feel like a lot of people are a little bit sensitive to iron. Mm. Um, So I love it. That's just me personally. Um, Don't take large doses of calcium or any of your other minerals with iron. Zinc also particularly. I quite commonly see when people first come to me and they've given me their list of supplements, they're smashing zinc and iron at the same time. Don't do that. Keep all your minerals separate if you're taking them in doses I also just jumped on and found some PubMed, was it PubMed stuff? So, not that anyone would be taking a thousand milligrams of calcium at one in one hit, or technically I don't think most people would be, but just here's a little bit of stats, just so you can understand the inhibition at a therapeutic dose. A thousand milligrams of iron absorption, sorry, a thousand milligrams of calcium dosed diminished iron absorption by 49%. So just Mm -hmm. to give you, you know, and then 800 milligrams of um, calcium diminished iron absorption by 37.5% seven percent so that's just something i've pulled off PubMed mm-hmm. quickly I, I don't i'm hoping it's pretty accurate because it's, <laughs> I I it's, PubMed. <laughs> it's pubmed it's got to be for, oh sorry no nih.gov sorry not pubmed i was on pubmed before but anyway so that so that's that so just to give an idea when we're talking about inhibitions it's not complete mm. knockout mm-hmm. but also too if you're taking an iron supplement just be aware that any other large doses of minerals that you're taking mm. just keep them away from it um calcium and magnesium so calcium obviously if you're taking calcium keep it away from iron quite commonly we prescribe calcium and magnesium together um well i know i do because they quite come along side by side in a lot of um, mineral supplements but just know there is going to be um competition for uptake because they are minerals that just happens but um zinc is a big one um, that i think i wrote down some notes as well if you're supplementing zinc keep it away from your iron um, but also don't take it on an empty stomach because it'll make you feel disgustingly sick. It'll make you vomit potentially. <laughs> also make you spew. I've done that. Me too. Don't take... <laughs> don't take zinc with calcium. So again just think about your minerals and if you are taking them, take them separately um and there's another thing oh zinc will knock out zinc will not knock out i shouldn't use that terminology but if you are supplementing with high doses of zinc for a period of time it's recommended that you keep an eye on your copper and your iron those three guys Mm -hmm. share a really interesting relationship um i think that was it for my minerals that that were the notes i wrote down Do you want
0: to add anything no that's totally the main guys all i want to add is that I'd love you to provide a beautiful curated little tile that we could put up on Instagram for our followers of that.
1: General rules about supplementing minerals.
0: Because <laughs> yes. I think people would love it if they're like driving or something um, now. We, will, we yeah. will do something like that, guys. But no, totally. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Love it, love it, yeah. love it. Yeah. Um. um yeah. I think, think that answer, I'm just seeing if, I think that's pretty much everything that this lady answered. I can just see yeah. with her additional questions, it's probably more just of an explanation of certain yeah. foods. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She, she did go on to ask, like, what's, yeah, like, so if you're having fortified foods, like, I kind of just wrote, well, what's the point then? Like, obviously, I get it. But um, she said with fortified foods, if you've got something that's, you know, high, it's fortified with iron and zinc, you know, question mark. Oh, she's like, why
0: like, would you do both? Like, again, yeah. that concept that people think it's cancelling, they're cancelling yeah, each other not. out. It's like, well, they're not. You're still getting some of each. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah in, in an yeah. ideal world from a supplemental point of view, you would pull them apart.
1: You would pull them apart.
0: Yeah. But it's just Source. like, it's like, again, yeah, to go back to food it's also whatever. probably
1: worth yeah worth mentioning that when they fortify foods they're not really as focused on individualized treatment as they are on mm-hmm. healing the masses it's a very yeah, well exactly. organization yeah. approach to you know nutrient deficiencies and it's like well if lots of people are deficient in iron and zinc like we can't you know dictate who's going to buy what loaf of you know bergen bread that's fortified in in each so let's just put yeah. them both in there and hopefully we'll kill two birds with one stone, absolutely. which is absolutely Not necessarily a bad approach, but again, I totally get the question because it's a valid question. But they're not so concerned with, you know, competitive uptake in in smaller
0: based doses. It doesn't work well for marketing. Imagine if they said it and you've got the average person standing there with the two burger lows. This one's 25 with 9. They're like, oh my God, I don't know which one I should be getting, which one. And just like freaking out when they're like, we'll put them together and then they get two for one. Yeah, two for one, and their (laughs) body will just work it out.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, but I think it's a bloody excellent question, and I think a lot of people do get tied up in – the small like I don't like to call it the small stuff because it's not the small stuff but I like to say don't sweat the small stuff when it comes to if you're making really good whole food choices in your diet and eating a beautifully rounded whole food Mm. diet that's rich in fiber and nutrients and all the things like just give yourself a massive fucking high five for that and if you are someone who's deficient in zinc or deficient in calcium or have bone mineral issues or deficient in iron, then work with a practitioner at least understand what you're supplementing and why split your doses and retest and make sure you're doing well on all fronts.
0: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking of one of my like favorite foods as far as like nutrition goes, which is the humble sardine and how it's, a powerhouse of all of the minerals all packed in one it's Mm. such a good example like as far Mm. as iron calcium and zinc it's just like you know if you put this lens on it it'd be like oh my god the sardine it's blowing my brain (laughs) they're all gonna cancel each other out and i'm just eating oily weirdness i'm just (laughs) eating
1: bait (laughs) i'm just eating bait with no nutritional density (laughs) yeah
0: okay no perfect love it love it love it so our second question which I I really like this was how has your philosophy towards nutrition changed over the last few years if at all so I thought we'd both answer this one um we haven't talked about this guys at all so I'm curious to see what um Chris has got to say so and I only actually just looked at this photo so So I haven't had like a huge think about it but why I like it is because I think even as nutritionists like your thoughts around food and the way you approach food do subtly change but the this is the way I feel but the core foundation and my core philosophy and what I feel like the JC Clinic is really built on has never changed it never will change like that concept of Uh, macronutrient balanced eating. Uh, If you actually go to the JCN socials, there's a pyramid that we've put on there, which is like a really good idea of like how we look at food as far as macros and um, the different uh, sort of areas of food on the plate. That to me will never change, whether it was 10 years ago now or in another 10 years on. But what I feel like has changed over the years is that when you, oh, well, I'm going to say when you, as if it's everyone, but no, when I first started with nutrition, and I see this with mentoring new uh, practitioners and new practitioners as they've come into the clinic, you can get super hyper focused on food and nutrition, and um, almost in a way to what we we're just talking about, not as full on but like what we're just talking about in regards to the competitive inhibition with minerals and like the sort of so much of these nuances um I feel like in my earlier years I was a lot more maybe obsessive about all of the little details and maybe even with in my own life like just everything that I would be eating and making and like not so much trying to be perfect, but I think there was like potentially a little bit more pressure in what I, I had as far as expectations for myself. And I feel like with time and knowledge and just growth and age that that has mellowed in a good way. So Mm -hmm. I still eat really bloody well. um, But I feel like there's an element of a more, relaxed approach that I have now that doesn't beat me up in the back of my head a little bit. And maybe that's also because of my own health over all of these years and how well I feel within myself and how I then feel about food, which we see with our clients, like when you first start and you have a lot of issues, like food can get very emotive and affect you in a certain way um, and create a lot more um, of a strictness around food because you want to eat a certain way to feel good. Whereas I don't feel like even personally, I've got as many boundaries around that anymore. So it's a lot more flexible. So I feel like that in some ways, which is very, very common as a practitioner, it can flow into your practice. Like you're a lot more aware of catching people who are being too controlling and also having a conversation around um, what allowing flexibility looks like and when maybe people are too flexible. Um yeah, that sort of space I feel has changed for me in the context still of having a whole food diet. And I mean, a, a classic example, um, the weekend was my birthday and the actual birthday day itself was pretty relatively normal eating. But then yesterday, Damien and I went out for breakfast. I had like eggs on toast at my favorite cafe, just beautiful chili scramble. and I put a bit of coriander on top. That coriander was the only vegetable I ate all day. <laughs> we had a late, had late breakfast. We came home. We were doing a whole lot of stuff. And he had bought me for um, my birthday this beautiful meringue that was like filled with chocolate and dates and walnuts. It was like divine. And we just sat down and had half of that each for lunch. And then for dinner, we went and got pizza from our local pizza store. And then I had two bits of pan of chocolate and my dandelion tea. Like, and, you know, and I was just like, who cares? You know, that's just a, a day that's not a normal day for me. And the way I feel about that for a client, like I wouldn't, I would never want a client to beat themselves up for not eating in a perfect macronutrient balanced way every single day of their life. So that's sort of the main thing that comes to my mind when I think about my philosophy around nutrition is just that I'm a lot more relaxed with, maybe it's more with myself, but I do think that it does flow a little bit into clients. We have a brand spanking new meal plan available on our online shop for you called the Easy Meals Food Plan. And as the name suggests... This Easy Meals food plan is designed to make healthy eating easy. It provides simple whole food recipes that will leave you still feeling really energized and light and fantastic. The overall goal is to provide these nutritionally approved meals that are designed by clinical nutritionists at the JCN Clinic that can be prepared in under 30 minutes or less. We know that a lot of you are time poor and this meal plan has been put together because of that demand. Also with the recipes in the meal plan, not only are they delicious as always, they're easy on the gut. So we know you're going to experience minimal bloating and gut upsets. There's lots of variety in there as far as ingredients to help build a really robust gut and microbiome. There is step-by-step guides for recipes, minimal fuss, lots of easy recipes. All of them have gluten-free and dairy-free modifications if needed. And something we haven't done before is we have also added for you a weekly shopping list that will help you get organized and prepared to make the meals throughout the week even more simple to throw together. We've also included some nutritionally approved brands throughout this meal plan to guide you. None of these are sponsored, it's just sharing with you what we think is A, accessible and B, works well to provide you the best. So, if you're interested in the Easy Meals Food Plan, head to our online shop and just click on Easy Meals Food Plan and you can get that for just $45, which guys, is an absolute steal. You can also head to the link in our show notes. What about yourself, Rissy?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Honestly, it's funny because we didn't discuss this beforehand, but I 100% agree with you. Like that was literally where I was going to go with this as well. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I've got a couple of other things I want to add for me personally, but I do think that I don't know if it's just like you said, like it's just age as we get a bit older and we, you know, we settle into our space and our skin more, but I'm mm. definitely, I've always been a kind of don't sweat the small stuff kind of person, but I definitely have really settled into that a lot more. And I do believe that flows into our clients because I do mm. think we get a lot of clients that there is a lot of health anxiety and there is a lot of hyper fixation. It's interesting just even talking about, you know, calcium versus iron on a plate, like there's so much anxiety in the space and I think as you work in this space, it's not in a negative way that you just realise that that there's so much you can't control from a health point of view. I think it's that you you realise that there's so much that you can but also you can only do what you can do as well. And I think, you know, I think interlacing into that for me is that I've really learned, and I, I do think you'll probably agree with this one as well, that we've really kind of come into this space of... Well, I have personally too, but even with my clients, I know you and I have talked about this in the clinic, that stress is not something I thought I would be addressing to the level that we address it in clinic. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's been a massive change in, you know, coming into the nutrition space as a practitioner, thinking that you're just going to be dealing with dietary manipulation and food and gastrointestinal health. I believe I agree with you 100% that our core philosophy and belief and probably why you and I well, why you and I do work together so well is we've got this total agreement on our... Core values as practitioners and what we want to do and how we want to practice and things that are just fucking unwavering no matter what when it comes to you know whole food and balance and not jumping on dietary trends and things and things like that but what I've really really learned over the last sort of you know eight years of practice is that you have to address your approach and your stress in life and I think Mm -hmm. that's not something I thought I would be dealing with as much with clients and even on myself on a personal level like you you have to bring in all the elements to your health a hundred percent and I think I've learned that and that's become even more ingrained in me but something that I really work with with clients a lot so understanding the role that stress plays um whether it be relationship stress um you know internal stress environmental stress but really understanding that in terms of how I approach treating my clients, so I guess that's from a philosophy point of view as well, because it's just in, you know, in, uh, it, it, you know, in more as you know more, you can do more in that space and stuff like that. So I really spend a lot of time talking and working in that space with my clients. Um, so the stress one is something I don't think we're trained much in in uni. No, it's honey. just something that comes as part of the you know the degree. Rochelle and I are interestingly were chatting about even just the amount of our degree that is. Um, counseling around food mm. and stress and life and stuff like that and I think um, that's not something that you can really be taught I think you've either got that in you or you don't mm. I think mm-hmm. all of us at the clinic we are very good at not playing psychologists because we obviously know when to refer on if it's something that needs it but just in terms of that space like mm. you know the that sort of space I think is something that is definitely something that's changed and we've really grown into that because I think you know you can't just address someone's diet without understanding how their stress plays into that and how to anyway so yeah so Mm. that space is something that I think has really come into it um yeah maybe that's
0: yeah no that makes so so much sense sense.
1: Mm. I think um I was gonna say yeah the stress space but then also I had something else I was gonna say as well and I kind of (laughs) lost it in the stress space (laughs) because it's so hard when you're just trying to think what have I learned in all these years of a practitioner and how has my philosophy changed but I do agree with you it hasn't like it's I would say it's grown more than it's it's changed if that makes it's grown it's it's probably the best thing I do 100% because I'm like a little hippie at heart I do also like I spend a lot of time in my clients that are open to discussing it or willing like I love tapping people into the you know the more, not even like the spiritual space, because for me that's probably more of a personal mm-hmm. journey and thing that I've worked been working on for decades, and just you know something I like keep in the background. But I do find when people are willing to tap into the stress space, exploring that space within the oh. options, which is not something yeah. that you know. we again, we're not trained with that It's our degree. It's just again what we learn, how we work on ourselves, and all of that. Yeah. But just discussing things like breath work with clients, and you know, somatic body work, just different therapeutic avenues that Mm. people can take and if you they're willing to be you know not coaxed but pushed into that direction to help part of their healing and that goes so beyond gastrointestinal health but i find
0: like (laughs) well it does that's the thing like it does and it doesn't because yeah of the connection to gut health and i think like you said before as far as it's a philosophy that grows and it um you can't do what we do for years and years and years on end and not grow because you've learned so much from your clients. Like when you first start, like you, as you were talking about, you don't actually realize how much stress is involved and all the emotive Mm. sides of what people bring to the table. Like you can't go through years and years and years as a practitioner dealing with that and not learn and not see patterns Mm. and then also not learn really beneficial tools and it may not be there might be some tools you give directly but it's also having a toolkit isn't it for referring and it's not always referring to a psychologist it might be like referring for a certain resource of breath work or a certain Mm. resource of something else like i i know you and i both have huge toolkit there that we use and I I also know from mentoring that that is I always joke with mentoring particularly the practitioners the new more so the ones that have started sort of really fresh um, over the years at the clinic they're so amazing as practitioners but where they need support from from myself and Carissa I feel like is learning how to deal more with this side of things with the stress Mm. people bring like with their what's going on in their lives and how to like work with helping them get to where they want to be with tackling those things and their personalities mm-hmm. and the quirks and traits that we have. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that always fascinates me because I think, and that's what makes you grow. So yeah, yeah. it's a cool question. I like it. It
1: is it is a cool question. The other thing, mine came back of what I was thinking is that, um, Just another thing that I guess, and I kind of always knew in my, I guess, in my heart that this one wouldn't be one that would align with me, and it's just interesting how much it hasn't aligned with me, Mm -hmm. is that when we're actually trained as nutritionists, and this is the same as any person who's trained in the medical or allied health field, is that we're kind of trained to not become emotionally or personally invested in our clients and not to really become friends with them, (laughs) which I just think is such bullshit and I remember learning that like just having all these and I don't get me wrong I believe boundaries are important but I never look at my clients when I'm I don't see my clients as because I'm on this I don't know you don't either but I don't see myself because I'm on this side of the table that there's a segregation in um your know, like levels of not what authority, but you know what I mean? Like mm. I'm the practitioner and you're the client. Like, yes, yeah. that's a fact, but I don't see myself as better above or anyone. I literally see myself as someone who has a toolkit, who's here to educate yes. and guide you through this process. You're no different to me. We've all got our shit going on. Mm. Um, you know, what you might be amazing at, I could be totally shit at, but yeah. this is just the dynamic of how we've been placed together. And my role here is to help you. Mm. And so, I think when we're trained as nutritionists or in any medical sort of space, you're always like, don't become friends with your clients, don't become emotionally invested or that like that is just fucking impossible if you want to do a good job, I believe. (laughs) 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 Like, I just think you can't be um, like, obviously, it's hard sometimes because you become emotionally and empathetically invested. But that's, I think, what makes us who we are as a team Mm. of practitioners, because I just I can't. I couldn't see practicing any other way. Like, I just couldn't. Like, I love the fact that I have a chat with my clients. I know what Steph makes a joke. She says, I know what pet every single client of mine has. (laughs) And that's probably true because I genuinely care. And, (laughs) 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 but, you know, like, it's just all that kind of stuff that I think, like, if you don't, if you don't have that, I don't actually, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I just find that that's an interesting one that definitely I knew wouldn't align with my philosophy. And as mm. I've, you know, really practiced for years and years and years now, I really just don't even give a fuck about that teaching. I'm like, well, I just t- totally ignored all of that. And most of my clients, I feel like I have some level of invested, you know, client, you know, practitioner, relationship, friendship, yeah. even some yeah. of my clients. And I absolutely fucking love that.
0: Yeah. So yeah, so true. <laughs> Well, last question. Completely different. Um, how to support my anxiety over the holidays as my family's stress um, often triggers me. <laughs> He's a biggie. <laughs> I feel like uh, this is so many
1: people. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, this kind of flows onto a, a little bit of what you were just saying about the stress side. Um, so, look, there... There's a lot of things that we can do and I guess in other podcasts we've spoken about anxiety and we've spoken about stress uh, and it doesn't really, like the tools don't really change. It's just looking at how you may implement them over this time because it might be a short, or for a lot of people, it's going to be a shorter, more condensed period of time. I think the thing with this too is if, you, if your family gives you stress, so like you're in often a confined space potentially for a certain amount of days, So it's not just you're coming and going for like a family dinner or a meeting up somewhere. So it's all very like intense. So it does, it does depend on what suits you out of all the things we'll talk about. But the first thing that comes to my mind way before anything that you take is actually how you approach the environment um, and what you can do to create space. So, I feel like whether you're all in the same house or you're all traveling together or whatever it is, usually somewhere in that 24 hours, theoretically, there should be time for you to create space for you. So it might be whether you go out for a walk or you just go down to the beach and spend some time there. Um, It might be going out walking just around the shops. Like again, it's hard to tell depending on where you'll be, but taking time out for you and getting away it might sound obvious but I don't think when you're kind of in it um and you can sometimes also feel a lot of pressure like in those situations that you know you have to be there because it's like we only all get together for this amount of time but just yeah going out and this is something that you need to do for you it might even be taking yourself into a different room um Mm. and just being with a book or doing some like meditation or some breath work (laughs) breath work might just actually be some deep breaths like don't lose it oh my god don't don't lose lose it it. (laughs) but i think in all seriousness yeah time out and if you're an exercise person um for me that's a non-negotiable like over christmas i'm gonna have our house packed with family it's gonna be great but there's a lot of different people here so i will on a daily basis be excusing myself to go and do what I need to do for me. And I'm, I guess I'm, you know, lucky that my family understands that. And I think, you know, most people, I think sometimes we can get a bit funny with family. We've all got our own quirks, but generally in life, if you're just like, Oh, I just need to go out for half an hour and have a walk. I'm going to go and do this. It's just something I need to do for myself. So, I mean, that'd be my first Um, ideally like non-negotiable to get some time because obviously if you're away from the stressor, it can just help you deal with the intensity because you can't change your environment as far as we can't change the people in the environment Um, if you've got to kind of be tolerating that environment for a certain time it's like well if I can have breaks from it then that's going to make it a lot more tolerable Uh, and then we alluded before to things like and this is we discuss this a lot with clients with certain test results when we know we need to work on stress it's like you need to find what works for you so something within the day or even if it is within the week depending on how much time you're spending together that also allows your nervous system to relax so it might be as we'll just Mentioning breath work, it might be doing some yoga stretches, it might be meditation, uh, it might be going down to the beach and sitting on the beach for ten minutes and just looking out at the okay. ocean, or going for a, um, a bush walk. And I understand you can't like some of these things don't one they don't suit everyone. And you I'm not saying that you need to do them for hours on end every day. It might be just ten minute little pocket, or five minutes at the start of the day, or at the end of the day. And they, I always say to clients, they seem so insignificant, but they're so goddamn powerful. Yeah, you start I agree. your day like that or end your day like that, they are big. So, like I, yeah, I feel like this conversation, first and foremost, and I, I feel like that is the most important aspect before I think about anything you're gonna chuck down your mouth. But I don't. Yes. Is there any others that you want to add? Receipt to that as far as the.
1: No, I, I hundred percent agree. I think everything you said is. Perfect. Surprise, surprise. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, I, yeah, just I think, every, yeah, everything you said is good. Prioritise exercise, I think. But also for me, um, I like to have just even in that space of just being able to get away, like I like to just know that I've got a little place I can go to sometime. Mm-hmm. Not Like we've, we've actually got a great, great great family dynamic, but I just know when everyone's in a concentrated space, for me personally, I um, as I learn more about myself as I get older, I am very sensory to mm. um, close spaces and loud noises, and it really actually uh, really overstimulates me. Like I get really like if anything, I'm, I'm in, around my family, I'm I'm quite I would say I can be I'm quite extrovert. I'm like quite in air quotes normal, but in groups of people I don't know I can be quite introverted. But um, family groups and stuff, I love it. But I also find sometimes when there's too much going on, and especially Christmas, like if it was at my place, for example, Jess, like what you're having this year, I that just this pressure of having to cook get everything out do all the stuff but then plus have a million people fucking talking to you all the time Mm. love Christmas I'm not saying that in a bad way but my body gets sensory overload very fucking easily and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I'm very edgy um and it just I don't cope well and I know for me that just having it's almost like a fucking safe room (laughs) (laughs) but just having somewhere where I can go and have a couple of breaths or literally go for a walk around the block like I literally had to do this at a family thing last week like I just we've had a lot of stuff going on and I just as much as my kind of family Christmas if that makes sense because my folks are going to be away but there was just a lot of high density high volume conversations happening at once even though it was an outdoor space I just I was already like a bit nervous system frazzled so I just wasn't dealing super well and then there was something said about a, something and a space that I'm very passionate about as a joke and it was egged on by people who knew that it would upset me. Like just so for me it's just those things that some people think are funny and sometimes you can brush it off but other times if you're not in the mm. right space nervous system wise it's very hard to. So I am very big about just removing myself from the situation
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and having like I just go for a quick walk so I don't, A, I don't say anything I can't take back. But also too, just to give myself a little chance to re- <laughs> re-regulate <laughs> and come back into the space and handle it. Um, and I think that's the case for a lot of people. Like I'm lucky; I've got a beautiful family, so I'm not someone who has a lot of anxiety going into family stuff over no. the holidays. I definitely have some trigger stuff that I'm very aware of, but I do 100% agree. Like having an out had. Have- making sure you prioritize those walking that walking all stuff you do for your mental health day-to-day is even more important if mm. you've got anxiety going into the Christmas mm. space
0: and knowing I think also knowing your triggers as well like you just yes. said a family family can be a trigger themselves but then they know how to push your buttons but mm. if there's things that you know that make you more anxious on top or trigger your anxiety then if you're already, it's just like there's these things that I already know give me more anxiety and I'm going to be in a more anxiety-prone environment. So let's not mix the two together. So that might even be alcohol. Like if you drink and you get anxious, like you probably want to think about drinking a lot around your family or if you spend way too much time on your phone and you feel overstimulated and you're like, watching all these like things at night on your phone and you're like not getting proper sleep you might again want to think about well it's more important like more than ever at the moment while my family is here Mm. my phone's down by 6 7 p.m i'm not looking at it i'm making sure i'm getting wind down time Mm. um yeah i would think about those things that you need to be extra conscious of and applying There's, I mean, when I was saying before about things you can take, like nothing's going to make it, the anxiety magically go away or make the situation go away um, and everyone will differ um, and we will never really give you guys super specifics. Um, I guess the main thing I would say that I feel comfortable to say would be things like magnesium. That is a general all-round relaxant. Um, It may not work for everyone and it may not work for you, but for some, and if you already, maybe there's already some supplements that you have used that do help with your anxiety and you're a bit flippant with taking them um, like something that's magnesium based now is also the time (laughs) to get on top (laughs) of that and take those supplements. So that's probably something to be more specific um, to you with your supplementation, but there really is, there's a real bag of different ingredients that can be used over this time. Um, I'm just, again, like I'm kind of conscious of throwing out supplements and supplement names without knowing what people's, um, situation is, but I feel like magnesium is a relatively safe supplement that you can take. Um, and then some people, even with different sorts of teas as well, like calmative teas. But is there any that come to mind that you feel that yeah, you wanted to add? Um, I'm
1: going to say, I'm going to say, if you could, again, because it's quite a benign one that we can suggest that doesn't really interact with anything negatively. But please, if you're taking advice, check. But theanine? I feel oh, yeah, like theanine. Sure theanine's beautiful if you're someone who is just a little bit more anxious and you know you're doing all the things but you just need something to help take the edge off theanine like Jess loves her matches um but matcha is like such a beautiful matcha it's such a beautiful source of theanine but you actually can just take theanine as a supplement compounded and it is a nice one if you know it just takes it just knocks that edge off a bit the good thing is it technically doesn't interact with many things so please check if you are going to take it of course but I feel like theanine and magnesium are something you can probably take across the day or a couple of days if need be just to settle your nervous system down um fish oils again I know we covered this in our last podcast but if you're someone who's totally fine to take fish oils fish oils and DHA especially can be beautiful to look after your nervous system uh, and, I, yeah, I definitely think teas is a great one because mm-hmm. you've got all those beautiful herbs like lavender and chamomile and yeah. passionflower and you can get some of those really nice teas that I know we've covered for another podcast like from Source Bulk Foods that have got those beautiful, you know, calming blends already done up mm-hmm. for you. So
0: I'd also say too for any cl- – actually clients at the clinic or even if you're not a client, something more specific in this area that we do is we will do short – consultations like a 15-minute consult and often they get used for herbals. This is the time of year where that can get a bit of a smashing <laughs> where mm-hmm. uh, I, I was up at Brisbane last week and I, there was a few that I saw, Rissy, that you were um, throwing to Rochelle. There was They will probably yeah. more around sleep and so forth but definitely this is a time of year where I'll even be having some clients talking to our naturopath or booking in for a a short consult with one of the practitioners if they're like I feel like I need something extra like can you put me together some sort of tonic I know I'm going to be really anxious I know sleep's going to be an issue like is this something that um you can help me out with so yeah I feel like this time of the year that gets dialed up a little bit more so that yeah. means that we can go in a bit more specific. And this the cool thing about this area is there's so much. There's actually a lot yeah. of tools that we have, but it's very, mm-hmm. very, very specific to what you have going on and your situation, your neurotransmitter function and any other meds that you're on. So we have to be really careful, Why? which is why we're being so... Um, <sighs> Wishy-washy, maybe, one might say. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I know. It sounds like
1: we are with supplements, but it's so because we don't want to blanket recommend because not everything suits everyone. Yeah. Um, I do think you mentioned before, like, alcohol, but I think that's a massive one because I think there's a lot of pressure on people to drink mm. in family situations and stuff like that. I know for me personally, that's a big one. Like, we come from a big family of drinkers, so there's obviously more alcohol around family situations around the Christmas space and things like that. But if you're someone who, you know, is a bit more anxious and a bit more triggered, don't use alcohol as your coping mechanism mm. because obviously it just, like, don't want to say no as your inhibitions, but it just does make things, uh, you can be a lot more easy. I know for me personally, like, if I'm anxious about something, I don't drink because mm. purely because I know I like to really be in control of situations should something arise um, that I know you know so if I know I'm going into a trigger situation with people or anything, I'm very cautious about the level of alcohol or if any that I consume because I know that I might need to be able to I might need to have to regulate my yeah, system. so that's true a lot harder to do if there's booze in the situation so again just be mindful of your, your what you use to medicate I guess you know yeah uh, so of true a, in a substance in our culture kind of way. Yeah, I think that's a big one around the festive season. I think there's a lot of arguments and stuff. I know even just for us over the years with Christmas with like more extended family members, like Mm -hmm. booze is the trigger for a lot of Christmases going fucking wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I can think of a couple over my lifetime and there's 40 years, so most of the Christmases have been good, but I just know there's definitely been a selection, maybe two or three where I just remember too much alcohol. It wasn't with our generation, the generation above us and just things going a bit pear shaped yep. and, you know, they're not, they definitely memories that stay with you. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think booze can definitely be a trigger for a lot of family anxiety stuff mm-hmm. as well. So
0: just being a bit careful with that one. Absolutely. Well, that's the end of our questions. We, um, we still spend a fair whack of time on that with you guys, but I think they're a <laughs> nice selection. So Mm. we'll, we'll be doing more Q and A's. We do like to do them for you. So just look out for the box that we post on our socials and you can just leave your questions there. You can even send us a voice note if you want through our DMS. That'd be kind of cool. We could play that for you. Um, and yeah, as you've seen today, they can be about anything. If you want to know about Carissa and I and, um, I think I'm sure there'll be some things we wouldn't answer, but you'd be surprised. It's probably a lot we would. Um, Anything about the clinic. Like I know there's so many new practitioners and people who study nutrition and naturopathy and other modalities that listen to the podcast. So if there's anything, even from a clinical perspective, we love sharing that too. So other than that, I think that's it for today. Have a fabulous day, evening, whenever you're listening and we'll chat to you next time. Chat to you next time, guys. Bye. Bye.